2015 is done and on the records, but what were the best movies of the year? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscore. Welcome to Popscore, the Foul Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we're going to be covering the 2015 Year in Review and our top five movies of the year. Now, 2015 was quite a good year for films. I think that's a a fair statement. A surprisingly good year for films. I think it was the one we all had on our radar coming up. Well, obviously. Thinking of, you know, the big tentpole movies we're going to talk about in a minute, but this was a pretty good year across the board. Having said that... There's quite a few movies we didn't watch, Michael. Yeah, no. <laughs> we never claim to be professional movie critics. No. We do only see movies that interest us, and occasionally some do slip through the grasp. Through the grasp? Through the net. Through the net. <laughs> they slip from our grasp through the net. There we go, Michael. There you we got, go. You got there eventually. So, just so we're clear, we are going to talk about the movies that we have seen. We can't talk about the ones we haven't seen, and especially the ones that aren't even out yet. But America, you are a little bit more blessed than we are. You have got... Pretty much all the Oscar nominees, we do not yet. You've got Creed, you've got Hateful Eight, you've got The Revenant, etc. You're doing well for yourself. But just so we're very clear, here is a full and complete list of all the movies in 2015 that we won't be discussing today because we haven't seen them yet. Ready? I hope there's a bed here, Michael. Let's shall begin now. Birdman, The Theory of Everything, Taken 3, American Sniper, Whiplash, Ex Machina, The Interview, Fifty Shades of Grey, Focus, Divergent, Insurgent, Planetary, Get Hard, Fast and Furious 7, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, Pitch Perfect 2, Tomorrowland, Spy, Terminator Genisys, Southpaw, Man from Uncle, Hitman Agent 47, Straight Out of Compton, American Ultra, Maze Runner, Scorch Trials, Everest, Macbeth, Sicario, Crimson Peak, Hotel Transylvania 2, The Programme, Steve Jobs, Bridge of Spies, Black Mass, Victor Frankenstein, and In the Heart of the Sea. That's a lot of movies we haven't seen. Quite a lot, yes. Quite a lot that's on everybody's top ten lists as well. well. Some, there are some in there that I would have liked. I really wanted to watch Ex Machina, but I hadn't realised it came out and it kind of passed me by. That's something I intend to watch as soon as possible. There was a lot of movies at the start this year that I fully intended to watch and then never got round to doing so, like Birdman, and I'm kicking myself for not seeing it. Have, bearing in mind it was on the same bill. You know we went to go, we went to go and see uh, In the Shadows? Yes. In the shadows, you know what I mean? What we do in the shadows. What we do in shadows. They were advertising the electric cinema for Birdman, and mm. I was like, I'm so there, and then we never went. True, but again, it's not going to be something... That, that'll be something that turned up on Netflix. That's not going to have a great amount of DVD distribution, I wouldn't have thought. So. Yeah, pretty much. It'll, all of these will probably rock up on Netflix or Amazon Prime over the next year, so we're going to have chances to catch up with a lot of the good stuff and then avoid a lot of the bad stuff, like Hot Tub Time Machine 2, I would have thought I would have watched, but apparently it's just... Worst thing. Yeah, and luckily we both managed to dodge Fifty Shades of Grey. Now I'm saying that we didn't get drunk enough to watch it. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've dodged a bullet. I watched a number of top ten lists on YouTube the other day, uh, and most people's worst movie of the year was Fifty Shades. I can't believe that for a second. Really? Nothing can be worse than Fantastic Four. Nothing can be worse than Fantastic Four. Okay, so for people who haven't seen Fantastic Four. Okay, if they haven't seen, <laughs> by default, if they just haven't seen it yet, then okay, there could be something worse. But, yes, so that's everything we didn't see. Quite the list. 
Um, the list of films we did see is shorter. <laughs> Much shorter, but um, I feel like we've actually picked the good ones. Yeah, there's not, like I said, Ex Machina is the only one of there I'm really annoyed I didn't see. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just lacking on the Oscar nominee movies. So, like, Theory of Everything and stuff like that. Whiplash. The movies that I, sh- I know I would have seen, but didn't. This year I'm making a more solid effort to go and watch the mm-hmm. Oscar nominees. So, In the Heart of the Sea came out two Boxing Day. So, like, <coughs> Excuse you. A couple of days ago. So I've still got time to see it. When Hateful Eight comes out, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. So we need to fix these things. Well, this is the first year I went without being an employee at a cinema. That's kind of harsh why I haven't seen as many movies as I would have usually. But let's begin, as a tradition, in January. Um, Always helps. Well, this is a movie that only I watched. Um, this was called Foxcatcher. This is a very morbid and depressing movie about wrestling. Not like The Wrestler, which is professional wrestling. You're about wrestling. Yeah, this isn't wrestling. This is amateur wrestling, so the Olympics and, and crap like that. Um, it's got Steve Carell as the bad guy with a fake nose, looking old. It's very weird to see Steve Carell. He does a fantastic job, to be fair. You'd think he'd be... Whenever a comedic actor trying to do a series, you're always a bit worried. No, he does a fantastic job here. He's so awkward. And that sounds like it's a bad thing. No, no, no. It's intentional awkwardness. He's just fantastic. Um, Sweet Chani T's in this. And he, this is probably his best acting performance I've seen him give. Very good. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is also in this. And it's a story of, um, it's at uh, some point in the early 90s, I think, and it's the American wrestling team. Some crazy millionaire guy who like inherited his fortune wants to be their coach. And how to explain this movie without it sounding very odd? It's impossible. He thinks he's good at wrestling. He isn't, but they have to humour him because he's paying all this money. And it gets very intense. It's very... It is kind of like the rest of it showing you the dark side of, of, of amateur wrestling. But it's also very psychological and gets into the mind of an athlete and all this stuff. Very morbid. Not a happy film. Not a movie I would say I necessarily enjoyed. Because it is so just sad and depressing. It's, everything is brown. Everything is shot in sepia tone. Everything's grey and washed out. But an interesting movie full of good performances. Yeah, fantastic. It's it's something out of the ordinary for you to watch as well, so... Yes. I, I feel the only reason you watched it was due to the subject matter. Wrestling, Sweet Jenny T, Steve Carell. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I shall watch this. <laughs> yeah, the other movie that we're going to talk about for January is the one that only I have seen, uh, which sadly is Into the Woods. Oh. Disney's attempt at um, adapting the very popular Broadway musical, which is based around um, the grim fairy tales all existing in the same universe... Um, doing half the movie is the happy story and half the movie is destroying the happy story. I would urge you to go and watch Into the Woods if you like musicals, but for God's sake, go and see it on stage. Don't go and see the, the Disney version. Right. Because unfortunately, the Disney version is just laden with people who have no business being in a musical. People like James Corden and Chris Pine. Ah. Yeah. Anna Kendrick's in there, which makes a bit more sense. We like Anna Kendrick. She's very pretty. And... And talented. And talented, obviously. And very pretty. And it just doesn't work. It's not... It wasn't a movie that was made to be a film, if you get my drift. Right. It doesn't lend itself well to adaptation. No, it doesn't. It has... It it takes the subject matter quite well, in (laughs) that because of the more fantastical elements that you can't produce on stage where you do have to think, you know beyond your imagination about what's what the stagecraft can do, yes. it can just very explicitly show it, which takes away all weight. There's um, 
the giant is the one that, that always irks me. Because in a stage version, the giant is meant to be like behind the audience. He's like this big, booming voice. Right, and they right. flare up all the thing, and all the actors are looking up and scared. And it relies on performance. Unfortunately, it's just a big CG monster in this, and they completely fuck it up. Uh. It's not a good movie. It's perfectly okay if you have no intention of going to see the stage show. But if, you have, if you're watching it, you're clearly interested in musicals, and you're doing the musical a disservice by going to the Disney version. You're such a theatre nerd. I really am. Um, well, two of their big movies of the year, one that's in my top five and one that's in your top five both came out in January. Uh, Kingsman was first. Surprise hit of the year? Yeah, probably. I don't think anybody, especially when you got delayed and put in January, which is usually where films go to die. Having read the comic as well, I was fairly certain this movie would flunk because I really didn't like the comic. No. The movie's incredible. Now, we do have a full review of this on our SoundCloud page, on our website. We employ you to go and listen to the full thing because it's just 40 minutes of us gushing about this movie. So we'll keep it brief here. Kingsman is what Spectre should have been. Yeah. I think that's a fair... The uh, best Bond movie this year wasn't the Bond movie. Yeah, it was Kingsman. It was the send-up of the Bond movie. And I am incredibly happy that whilst there's not a sequel in the comic books, there is going to be a sequel Mm -hmm. movie to Kingsman. It's almost like this is the perfect in-between between... Bond and Austin Powers. Yeah. Like, it's just as... It's got all the good points of both without the bad points of both. Yeah. The extremes. It's a very nice niche. So it yes. takes its action very seriously. It is shot like a very good action movie, but it is funny. It is very funny as well. Um, yeah, we're not going to dwell on the movies that we've given full reviews to. We'll just touch on them uh, in passing, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about them at the end in our top fives. So speaking um, of... Speaking on. of... Go on, Michael. Big Hero 6 also came out in January, and I still love it. We get it, Michael. You like Big Hero 6. It, this was always going to be this year's joke. Although I feel like there will be more jokes as we go on. Yes. Uh, the, uh, overpay a Big Hero 6. I still say that Big Hero 6, whilst not... Okay. There are a number of animated movies that came out this year that deal with a lot of complex issues. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about one of them in a few moments. Oh, yes. Uh, and there are some that we haven't seen, like the last Studio Ghibli movie that also do it. I still say the Big Hero 6 offers the more complete blend of what I wanted from that movie. I wanted Disney's attempt at a superhero movie. And I didn't know I wanted a film that so expertly deals with loss. Have it, maybe, it's, maybe it's coming off the back of re- personal events for me, but I feel that movie spoke to me more right. than probably anybody who's seen the movie. I just thought it was really, really, really kind of okay, maybe, sort of. That's everybody's thing. It's just like, it was fine. I'm like, I loved it. It was, it was just, great. It was just there. And it was Baymax right. is wonderful. Baymax was a cool character, but just, yeah. Again, we have a full audio version of this where I just tell you my how much I think this is okay. And I gush more. And I just really don't care about Big Hero 6. Um, moving into February... We have a movie that only I saw. Literally only I saw. I think yep. me and my girlfriend were the only two people. Oh, wait, no. This is before my girlfriend. Who did I watch this with? Doesn't matter. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, you are the only people who saw this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think that's why they didn't make a lot of money off it. I mean, this was meant to be the year of Sweet Channy T. He had three big movies this year. Foxcatcher, Knocked Out of the Park. Another one we're going to talk about is Knocked Out of the Park. Jupiter Ascending, No. It's a good. There are some very good ideas in Jupiter, and some really cool action scenes with with Sweet Chanty. He's got like these hover shoes that lend to like basically rollerblade in the air, and they do make some pretty cool action scenes when it all clicks. But just so it's it's too grand an idea. It's basically like all the grandness of the Free Matrix movies. This was the Wachowskis who directed this. 
It's all the, the big sky ideas of the Matrix trilogy condensed into one movie. Mm, that seems so like a mess already. It really is, and it's it's like so confusing. You think if they'd given it time, given it a full trilogy, and taken certain bits more serious, like Eddie Redmayne's in this, and he's god-awful. Damn. He's chewing scenery, but it's not fun to watch. It's like ridiculously overtop in the wrong way. It's interesting, because next year is the year of Redmayne. Yeah, he's going to be in Fantastic Beasts. Um, Danish Girl, which comes out at the end of this year, starting next. Danish Girl, yes. Um, he's going to have a big year, and hopefully he does better. And like I said, he was in theory of everything, and everybody raved about him, but he's awful in this. There are talks that he will make an appearance in a Marvel movie. We don't know where, but apparently he's already in talks. So, fingers crossed. Everyone's in talks. Yeah. Let's Every, face it. Wesley Snipes was in talks. It Al Pacino anything. was in talks. <laughs> Al Pacino is going to be in a Marvel Although movie. I am quite excited at the prospect. Very big side note. Uh, was it Kurt Russell possibly yeah. being Star Lord's dad? Yeah. Hell yes. Hell yes. I, I I've only seen him in Sky High. <laughs> it's enough. I've not seen I've not seen Big Trouble in Little China. I I have seen Escape from New York, and I hate Escape from New York. It's awful. Anyway, um, so yeah, Jupiter Ascending could have been good. Got it. There's a good cast in there. Sweet Johnny T. You've got um uh, what's her face? Um oh god, what's her name? Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis as the main woman. <laughs> Yeah, as, as the main, that's how memorable this movie that's is. The main, no character uh, as names. Jupiter. <laughs> so I should be able to remember her name, but yeah, yet good. Then we come to March. Oh, I didn't see anything in March. Yeah, it was not a jam-packed month. It must be said. I mean, feel free to disagree with us because we didn't see a lot of movies. I'm sure some good stuff came out. I saw one movie in March. I saw Chappie. Yeah. You know what? I liked it. That was one I would have watched if the reviews had been overwhelmingly positive, but... Don't get me wrong, it's no District 9. I think District 9 is remembered so fondly due to the the level of achievement that that movie was, being mm-hmm. such a low-budget movie, yeah. and achieving so much and making it feel so real. I still wasn't a massive fan of District 9. I still I thought, it was, it. I thought it was okay. That's it was still better there, than Elysium. I didn't like Elysium. I haven't seen Elysium. Elysium's a little bit too far out there, whereas mm. Chappie goes back to what Blomkamp does best, which is doing... A gritty, grounded story. With sci-fi elements. With sci-fi elements, exactly. It's a character story more than it is... I mean, Elysium's this kind of, like, vast worlds thing that Blomkamp can do, just didn't do very well. Right. Chappie is the reverse. It's a small thing that he did very well. Mm-hmm. Is it as good as District 9? I think that that remains to be seen. But is that what the, the problem with the reviews are? Are people trying to hold it up to District 9... And they're just doing a comparison piece when they do a review, or are they taking it on its own merit? They're doing a comparison piece, which is, <coughs> isn't is very helpful. I've gone on record many times about my problems with Watchmen Syndrome, yeah. so I might have to check out Chappie. It's, it's worth a go. What I will say, the surprising um, cast that's in this, they are very, very good. Now, the two unknowns that I didn't know anything about, I'm fairly certain they haven't been in many movies, but I could be wrong, are the two South African members of the cast. They are Ninja, who is a rapper, Mm-hmm. Who plays the character of Ninja? Oh, yeah, interesting. Ninja. And you've got Yolandi Visser who plays Yolandi. Unfortunately, they've some kept their own names wow. for this. Don't know why. Um, but Dev Patel's in this movie, and he's very good. I like Dev. Really Patel. like Dev Patel. Hugh Jackman does a really good turn as a villain as well. Mm. Like surprisingly good turn as a villain. He keeps doing villain roles. He's he does a villain in Pan as well. I know, right? He played this sort of like this um, general arms dealer sort of thing, mm. um, and I. This isn't spoiling much because of the the whole movie is based around robotics and technology and humanity and all yeah. that stuff and whether they, whether a coexist can be can be had yeah. or whether it's just a case of mach- machines are machines mm-hmm. for men, um, and and Jackman does a very good 
Thunderbolt Ross, if you know what I mean. Right. Whereas you've got Chappie, who is played weirdly enough by Charlotte Copley. Oh. Voice voice work, I imagine. Uh. Whether or not he was actually on set with all the stuff. Right. He well, he's Andy Serkis, so no. No. Uh, but I really like the effects. Because the effects were kept minimal, Chappie was made to look so realistic. Right. And the wonderful there's a wonderful relationship between uh, Yolandi and Chappie, which I really enjoy because it's about this robot learning how to be street. And it's surprisingly humorous. Oh, that's it. So, right. like, they, it's, it's this robotic... Well, he's a robot, obviously he's robotic, and he's jerky in his movements, but he learns how to do a gangster walk, and I really enjoyed that scene. And the end movie is a big gunfight, and Chappie's wearing a shit ton of gold chains. It's actually brilliant. Okay. It's genuinely brilliant. I don't think it's on my top ten, top five, but it's damn good. I'd say watch you it if you haven't. It. Okay, I will I will get around to that. We move into April. We do. And there was a there was very much a case of a big fish in a little pond in April. Mm. As, as Avengers Age of Ultron kind of dominated everything. Very few things apart from that came out. And of course, we've already reviewed Avengers Age of Ultron. It, ad nauseum. Ad so nauseum. <laughs> go check that out. Um, it, it does make my top five. I won't say where, but it does, it does make it there. Well, obviously, we'll come to top fives later on. We'll talk about the other movie that came out in April, though, mm-hmm. which would be mine. Ah. John Wick. Oh, Which yeah. came out in April, which is... Friggin' incredible. Genuine, okay. like, John Wick and a mo- another movie we're going to talk about in a minute, Mad Max, are on there with Kingsman. Mm. It just, like, you know when you watch a movie and you get so lost and you're like, how the hell did they film that? Yeah. Like, Kingsman's church scene. You're like, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, how did they do that? Mad- most of Mad Max, it's Jesus Christ, how did they film that? Yeah, yeah. John Wick is like, you watch it and you, go- and you watch these great, like, gun, gun karate fight scenes. You're like, the fuck did they film these mm-hmm. with no cuts or one go? Oh wow! It's incredible. It very much takes a lot of cues from movies like Old Boy, where it wants to show sequential action, where it's not a case of we need to show fifteen cuts of him reloading the gun. A lot of the movie is just John Wick being fucking awesome from beat one. Um, the villains, villains, quote unquote, yes. of the movie are talking about uh, who the son has managed to annoy, and they're like. What did he look like? And he describes John Wick. He's like, you moron. You pissed off John Wick. We're all dead. You have to leave town. That's like five minutes in. Right. Five minutes in, you you are established that John Wick is an unstoppable force of killing. And the next hour and a half is just that. Is it just it's, Keanu Reeves shutting up and doing some Neo stuff? Yes. That's all I have. Keanu, Keanu Reeves delivers one of the best performances I think I've ever seen him deliver. Now, it's not one with great emotional depth, but it does exactly what it needs it's to Keanu do. Keanu Reeves. It's Keanu Reeves. It does exactly what it needs to do. He's an emotionally dead person who has been hurt even more. That's Keanu Reeves? Yeah. I mean, if you don't know the basic plot of the movie, I'll summarise it very quickly. John Wick is a badass. His wife is dead. He's mopey. He buys a dog. Russian man kills dog. John Wick kills Russian Man and everything else. Nice. And it's brilliant. I will watch this. This it's, is something that... It's so worth your time. It, it went... It passed me by again, but this is something I will endeavour to watch. The other thing... Great thing... Last thing about this movie uh, is it establishes a world that I really want to explore. Mm. You find out that there's this sort of underworld of assassins and that there is a hierarchy and an order and they have a hub, if you will, that's this hotel where all the assassins stay. Mm-hmm. This is what I want in the sequel. Or... I want the prequel learning about how his wife died. Is there going to be a sequel? There is a John Wick 2. Okay. They are filming it right now and I couldn't be happier. Good beans. Uh, so yeah, Avengers, 
dominated April. That's why I didn't see anything else because I watched that twice. Yeah, um, <laughs> I watched it three times. Oh wow! Um, so let's move on to May. Mad Max. Yes. Fuck yes. The movie that Michael described as the greatest action movie ever made. It's still yet to be topped. You're not going to go back on that near the hype has died down? No. You haven't rethought this In before? In terms of pure action, mm. cinematography, mm. consistency, Mad Max is still possibly the best action movie I've ever seen. It's still up there. This is going to have to be a debate we'll, 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 we'll shelve for another time because it does make my top five. I will give it that. There are some brilliant things in Mad Max. I also think there are some very deep flaws with that movie. Nothing that really ruins the overall package, but stuff in there that I'm like, this was bad. Like, I'll, I will be the first to admit the storytelling is not the best. Storytelling is non-existent. But there it's isn't a story. not a staple of the Mad I, Max I, series. I, that's why I'm giving it a pass. But I think the greatest action movie of all time, if it has flaws, have to be minimal. And I think there are deep flaws. That's the thing. The peaks of Mad Max are big enough that it overcomes these deep flaws that I have with it. But, yeah, I don't I don't agree with you, Michael. I don't think it's the greatest action movie of all time. Again, listen to us argue about this ad nauseum in our audio review. Yes. This is essentially our audio review plugging <laughs> yeah. all of the year. We did this, we did this, we did this. Um, one we didn't do one on, because only I watched it, um, was San Andreas. Yeah. Of course, I only watched this because The Rock and I will follow The Rock anywhere. Um, it wasn't bad. It's a big, like, flashy spectacle thing. I know two things about San Andreas. Well, three if you count that the rock's in it. Yes. It's about an earthquake. Yes. And Kylie Minogue's in it. Kylie Minogue is in it, and Kylie Minogue's an awful woman in it. <laughs> and you're quite happy when Kylie Minogue dies, but you're like, Kylie Minogue? <laughs> Americans know who you are? <laughs> what the hell are you doing here, Kylie? Get out of here! Um, yeah, um, Rock's got an incredibly white daughter incredibly white daughter <laughs> you're like you are far too white to have come out of the rock at some point in your life. now Rock's wife is incredibly white she's it's that um, I can never remember her name it's Giancarlo oh for god's sake do I need uh, to look uh, it up please look it up you will know who she is she played um, oh she played Scarlet Witch not Scarlet Witch uh, the Silk Spectre the older one in um, Watchmen Oh right, okay. Hang on. You know who you mean? Um, I do know what you mean. Oh, Carla Gugino. Uh, yes. Carla Gugino. That's that's Rock's wife, and and they have some nice chemistry together. Um, and there's like the Rock flying a helicopter through the earthquake and him driving. The opening scene's really cool because he's like a, he works in LA and he's like a, a helicopter rescue pilot. And the opening scene is really awesome. It's like him in the helicopter trying to save this girl who's like skidding off a mountain and she's like hanging on. That's probably the best scene of the movie. Cause it's so tense. Like now, they've got to lower the guy down who's um, who played. Oh, what's his name? Oh, for God's sake, is this um, what it's going to be? No, no, it was the guy from um, from Arrow who played Red Arrow. Him. Yeah, okay. Corey. We'll, ju- we'll just call him Roy. Roy, yes, Roy. The guy who played Roy, Roy Harper, he's like lowered down and it all goes wrong and The Rock has to come and save him all. It's a fantastic scene, but he peaks early. And you're mainly following The Rock's daughter for like half the movie. Um, and she's got like these two very British. Um, sidekicks which are really annoying they are incredibly annoying they are incredibly British and yeah they, they slow the film down but whenever it's The Rock it's fine Rock is incredibly selfish that said because he's meant to be a rescue pilot and he decides halfway through the movie he's just going to help his daughter he's not going to help anybody else with his giant helicopter um, his giant helicopter <laughs> giant he's a big helicopter it's, it's, it had its moments it was very like Roland Emmerich Spectacle driven, uh, and it doesn't deliver on that, like the big tidal wave and everything. But yeah, and it's also got a weird subplot with um, 
Well, I'm often remembering now as a Paul Giamatti as like an earthquake specialist. That's also a weird tangent that the movie goes on. <laughs> I was also the rhino. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very odd tangent that that goes on. But yeah, um, yeah, San Andreas. We still okay. Still in April. I wouldn't have watched that. No May. I wouldn't have watched it on the small screen. If you if you would have watched, it, I would have recommended you go watch it. In, preferably IMAX, but definitely watch it on the big screen. It's going to lose a lot on the smaller screen, I believe. Uh, that's April done. No, well, oh, no, that, that's, that's, that's not May, May done. Oh, and I have May one done. more movie for May. Go on. A movie that premiered on YouTube and Netflix. Mm. Mm. Kung Uh-oh. Fury. Uh-oh. Absolutely adore this movie. I haven't seen Kung Fury. It's really good. It's it's so tight and so well put together for an indie production. It's only half an hour. So if you have half an hour and you have Netflix or YouTube, and let's face it, who doesn't? Go and if watch Kung Fury. you have YouTube, everyone has YouTube. So if basically if you have an internet connection in China, anyway. <laughs> you may not have YouTube. If you're listening in China, you may not have YouTube. You get what I'm saying, though. Kung Fury is absolutely fantastic. It knows exactly what it wants to be. It's a pastiche of sort of uh, some retro 80s buddy cop movies mixed in with really strange, irreverent humour. And I just think it's incredibly well done. And the action scenes are great. And the the things that, like, when I knew I wasn't going to enjoy the movie, like, the opening scene where he beats up the arcade machine is funny. But I knew I was going to enjoy the movie where, at five minutes in, Adolf Hitler travels forward in time, phones a police station, says, is that the police? They go, yeah. He says, fuck you, and shoots a gun down the phone, and the phone guns down the entire office. I'm like, I'm along for the ride. This movie is stupid, and I love it. This is something that I'll either enjoy, or something I will think is incredibly stupid and will actively annoy me. Yeah, basically. There is no... This doesn't sound like a Marmite movie. I will endeavour to watch this. And they got the Hoff. Oh, God, that always improves. The Hoff plays the car (laughs) for reasons. Okay. It was really good, and I really, really enjoyed it. And weirdly enough, the guy who plays Hitler in this movie is from the Lonely Island. Which one? Yoma. Ah, yeah. Okay. Cool. It's great. I loved it. I'll have to watch it, but I think I'm either going to love it or I'm going to despise it. It seems like something... At half an hour, you lose nothing, so it's fine. It will be something on a knife edge. I'm actually urban towards I'm going to despise this movie, because this type of meta, really stupid movies can tend to go that way for me. But I will watch it. June! June! Jurassic World! Here we go. Now, we've done a big review on this. Unending unending gushing on uh, Jurassic World, which is just... uh, that the biggest relief I think I've ever seen you like absolutely. Did, you went and stood over the other side of our recording room and shouted. It was I did. It was relief on its highest order. I've never been more relieved to watch a movie, even Star Wars. I, I always said Star Wars. If it was bad, I'd be like, "There's still that Star Wars will continue." There and there's is, still two more, at least two exactly. more movies. They've got, they've got two more movies to to figure it all out. That was less important to me. Jurassic World was bad. You tanked the Jurassic Park franchise it goes away no video games no more movies actually I don't want any more movies but no more video games no more properties of any kind it's dead and it's a laughable oh it's three bad movies and one good one I actually like number two but just give me the general consensus that would have been terrible for me my favourite franchise would have been to be dismissed as a one shot joke and be gone but it wasn't it was fantastic go listen to a review yeah it was that's probably my favourite review of the year because I'm just so openly happy, and anytime you mention a criticism, I want to punch you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, thinking about it again, I really liked it. Yeah. It is good. It's there's there's problems, but like all movies, 
I'm annoyed you know, I didn't problems. see it in IMAX. That's the only thing that annoys me about yeah, it. I imagine it would have been quite good in IMAX. Um, we've never got an IMAX near us that is more convenient to go and watch these films. Uh, I watched Force Awakens uh, yesterday. Um, so, more of IMAX movies. Yay. Yay. Uh, elsewhere in June, Minions. Uh, thank God I missed this. You, you didn't miss a lot. Uh, a failed experiment in every way. That was. It, it was inevitable. I went there with my little cousin just to, to you know, appease her. She wanted to go watch it. And I was like, okay, I'll take you. And exactly what hap- what I thought would happen did happen. They can't carry a movie. They are excellent side characters for visual jokes and little cunning jokes here and there, but they can't carry a movie. I kind of feel it's like making a movie based around Scrat from Ice Age. It is. It's exactly that. Um, and it's just it's just not funny. There's, they're, they're, don't they occasionally have one or two okay jokes, but nothing on the calibre of what happened in the first two Despicable Me movies. And the best bit is when Gru turns up at the end. Then it's funny. Um, Considering that, like, I've just said that Kung Fury is dumb and I love it, this movie seems dumb and I hate it. Oh, it was so stupid. So goddamn stupid. And they were everywhere and it couldn't be escaped. But yeah, don't watch this movie. Watch this pick a movie one and two. They're actually quite funny. Gru is the funniest character. That's the problem that most people see past. It's not the minions. Gru is the best character in those movies. Right, so moving on to July, where is our... It's actually our highly packed dense month of movies. I have four movies in July. I have three. Now let's talk about quickly Ant-Man because we've already done a review on this. Uh, That's a movie that has gotten better every time I've watched it. I think that Ant-Man is a very cohesive standalone movie that you can enjoy regardless of whether or not you've been following the MCU canon but Mm -hmm. he's better for doing so. I I didn't think of it from that point of view. That is a good point you've got there. This is probably the least dense in law Marvel movie you're going to find um, to the point that I did take my girlfriend to this and she hadn't seen any of the Phase 2 movies and she understood everything that happened in it so that was it, it's good from that point of view but it, I just think I think people are praising it too much for just for the fact it was competent and that's pushing down the edge considering it had the trouble production I think people are giving it more credit than I think it deserves I think it's a fine movie it's not a bad movie it's number 6 in my top 10 list but I just think it was alright it was fine. It was a, a, a solid effort, average, fine, but nothing more than that. See, I, I, I'm not of the same opinion. Of course, you can go and listen to the full uh, debate in our Ant Man review, which is on our SoundCloud page, so go do that. Yes. Uh, well, that's a quick fire two that I saw. Um, Ted 2. Nah. Uh, a sequel. I hate Mark Wahlberg. Always will do. Um, it, was, it, was, it wasn't very funny. This wasn't a good year for comedies. No. Comedies failed up and down the board. Other movies that had comedy as their sub-genre at the park. Nailed it. But straight Pure up, comedy movies? I, there isn't a no. single straight comedy movie on my list that I act, like really enjoyed. That There's one near the end that I was like, it was okay, but yeah, no. Having said that, there wasn't a lot of comedy movies this year. We didn't list them many comedy movies that we missed. To quote McBain, the best movie was not a comedy. No. <laughs> It really wasn't, but yeah, uh, Tattoo, not so much. A great Jurassic Park joke, I will give it that. Um, Magic Mike XXL. A really good movie. <laughs> this is really weird to hear every time. <coughs> like, you you praise Magic Mike a lot when we're, like, out and about and seeing movies, and I'm like, I still can't believe it's as okay. good. Well, this thing, I heard about Magic Mike the first one, and it was actually, like, they genuinely tried to do a serious drama about Mouse Strippers. It was based on Channing Tatum's life, you had what uh, really? What? Yeah, it's, it's his life. His life as a he used to be a male stripper, so this is loosely based on his experiences. Shit. And you've got people like Matthew McConaughey in there doing like serious acting, and it was like a bit morbid, and there's like drug stuff and going on. 
They went, to hell with all that crap. Get all that crap out of the way. We're just going to have fun in this movie. And it's a really fun movie. Yes, it wasn't necessarily... But I say like it wasn't targeted at me. The only bit that wasn't targeted at me was the mail stripping that happens at the end. But by then, you kind of... I don't want to say invested in the characters, but you like the characters. You've got friends amongst these characters, and you want to see them do their thing, and you're happy for them. You're not enjoying it from the sexual point of view, because that's not for us. We're straight white men. It's okay. But... It's genuinely funny. One of my favourite scenes... I showed you this You have shown me this. One of my favourite scenes happens in this movie. It's the one in the petrol station. You liked it. It was quite humorous. And there are many more examples all the way through this movie of that. And at the end, you're like, well done, Channing Tatum. Good strip. Good lad. <laughs> it's got... Like, there's good people in it. I mean, Kevin Nash is in it and he's a wrestler. I don't like Kevin Nash for wrestling reasons, but that's fine. It's got um, Childish Gambino guy. What's his actual name? I don't know, but carry on. The guy from Community. Yes. He's in it. He, he He's not actually got a good body, which is weird for him being <laughs> just a stripper movie. He's kind of skinny, but he's in it. And um, Joe Mangello. You know who I think he, you're right, yeah. Him. He's really, really good in it. Just across the board, it's fantastic. I, I want you to go and watch this, Michael. I'm going to watch John Wick and the other one that you said to watch. Go and watch Magic Mike XXL. You won't be disappointed, I promise you. Jesus, okay, fine. So, that's your two ones that you've seen out the way. I saw Mission Impossible. It's really good. I don't think that anything else needs to be said about that. If you've been following the Mission Impossible movies, then you know that like it was like, one was pretty good, two was okay, three was... And then four was really good. Four was really good. Five is very much a part two to four. But it's a very intriguing plot in terms of the Mission Impossible lore. Mm. I still think that Tom and Peg puts in a really, really good performance. Probably the best of his stint in the Mission Impossible franchise. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Renner's good in this movie. Tom Cruise is, of course, good in this movie. I really enjoyed it. I I think there's a lot of escalation in the movie that he's pulled off very, very well. Mm -hmm. I won't say flawlessly. There's still problems. Like in every Mission Impossible movie, it is still a a popcorn action movie. But it does have to deal with a lot of different things. It's more espionage than it's ever been. Yeah. Because there are espionage elements in all the Mission Impossible movies. This one's very much us against the world. Right. Like the small the, the small group. Uh, what are they called? The I-something F. I don't know. Anyway. IMF. IMF. The Impossible uh, Mission Force. Yes. I think. <laughs> you might <I> be. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's pray. pray that that's right. Because uh, I saw it ages ago and I can't remember. But it's really good. And I thought it was a fantastic movie with great set pieces that were linked together very well by a lot of great character interaction. I kind of wish I would have watched it because I did like number Thor, but for some reason. Number Thor. Number Thor. Lot knows, but you know. I did like number four, but this just. I think it just came out at a very busy time, and I was just like, yeah, yeah there's stuff I'd rather watch. Like Inside Out. This is one we haven't done a review of yet, we've both seen. Yeah. What did you think? I think it's hopefully marking the end of Pixar's bad streak, but it's by no means a classic I, at all. I didn't like it. I didn't laugh very much. I think the world was very realised and they tried to make it very dense and populated, but I think they failed at doing so. I think it's got an opposite problem. I think this is Pixar getting too far up their own ass. I agree. I I think the concept is not great. It has legs, but it's so high concept. Like that bit when they get stuck as a 2D image. Yeah, that was very... Oh, we're an intangible idea. I was like, this is a movie for children! And now you're doing intangible things. They were very, it was very smart. Like, you can see the ideas they're doing. Like, that's a good way to do, you know, imagination and, and da, 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 da. 
it just wasn't funny. No. It just wasn't, I wasn't invested in the characters. I wasn't enjoying... Like, they left anger, um, fear, and, and disgust. Like, disgust, yeah, not envy. A weird choice of emotions. Yes, happiness, sadness, anger, fear, fine. Disgust? Who gets ahead of, you know, paranoia? <laughs> that would have been a movie. Self-reflection. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> self-loathing. There we go. They do a sequel. It's got to be a goth years. Oh yes, <laughs> angst. Where's angst? angst? <laughs> Introspection. <laughs> it's essentially you just get you get the emo rangers and make them she into goes characters. Through puberty and all the new people who are all dressed in black. To <laughs> Joy's in a cage. Sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorrow, lust, they're all here. <laughs> See? Morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this probably explains Morbid why... depression. <laughs> <laughs> this explains why this isn't a good movie, because us talking about a sequel is making us laugh. I'm just saying, I just... I, I did think this is Pixar going too far up the ass. Having said that, the Good Dinosaur, which we're talking a little bit, has a bit of the opposite problem. Okay. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. But yeah, Inside Out, I was like, I was really excited. because Critics everyone, love this movie. They adored this movie. But I was just like, no, this is the same thing that happened with Up and Wally. Critics love those movies. I don't like either of those. See, I, I, will, I will admit that I like Wally and I believe that Up is one of Pixar's best. I hate all three. Well, that's the thing. I should have liked this movie if mm. we're following the trend. Yeah. I really didn't. Yeah. Good Dinosaur's better. I think that's problems. It's yeah. not a classic either. But... There were a few moments it pulls off well, like the idea of leaving behind the imaginary friend. I thought was quite clever. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it, but I thought no. it was quite clever. No, um, well, that's that's July done. I think. Yeah. Okay, let's move into August. Fantastic Four. <laughs> Best comedy of the year. Best comedy of the year, hands down. It's not a comedy. I. This is the worst movie of the year, hands down. There could be nothing worse than this. Having said that, if they do a documentary about the making of the Fantastic Four movie, I will watch the shit out of That'll that. That'll be the best film ever. Best movie of the year, by far. If they do like, because the... you know how we've got the Disaster Artist coming out next year, yes. which is about the making of The Room. Yes. I want Disaster Artist Fan Forstic Edition. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God. I want to see the, the, the burning down of the arc. <laughs> <laughs> Was it just just creep? Oh, uh, oh. I'd love to watch that movie. With Marvel's Fantastic. fourth family, because they're not Marvel's first family no. anymore. They're probably doing tenth now. Yeah. Uh, I also had the misfortune of watching Pixels. I must say, August was a terrible month. Yeah. Pixels was god awful. So we had a pretty good blockbuster summer, and we were all waiting for Star Wars. And in the middle, it's like, I mean, oh, oh, well, we need to keep oh, people in the cinemas. Oh. <laughs> Adam yeah, looking got looking at the list between Ant Man and Star Wars. There's a lot of bad. Um, Pixels, yeah. It, the concept wasn't too bad. Like, there, there is legs to this. They could have made a really fun movie, but unfortunately, it's an Adam Sandler movie made past the 90s. Unfortunately, it's nerd blackface again. Thanks, Adam Sandler. Really appreciate yeah. that. It Now, I haven't seen the movie. I've seen little bits of the movie. And what I saw offended him to my very core. Josh Gad is awful in this. Yes. Adam Sandler is awful in this. Kevin's Kevin... Kevin Smith? Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. No, not Kevin Smith. No, Kevin Smith. Oh, God. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Not good. No one's good. It's all bad. Even the dink. Even the... Actually, no, the dink's okay. The dink has the funnier lines that he just wants to have sex with Serena Williams. That's a subplot. Oh, and, uh, and what's the face as well? The cooking lady. Um, 
Uh, yeah, he just wants to have sex with those people. Not ever going to give this And then credit. he gets to do it at the end. I was like, go with the dink. The dink's okay in this, but other than that, yeah. Like, there are some bits where you're like, this could be cool when they're doing, like, you know, the centipedes coming to eat everybody, but, oh, yeah, such a stupid idea at the time and so badly done. Did you watch anything good in August to give oh, me some hope? God, no. Well, August was a terrible month for movies. Let's move into September. Legend? I didn't see it, but go ahead. It was it was fine. It makes my top ten. I think it's in number nine or something, so it wasn't exactly fantastic. Tom Hardy's the best part of this movie, in both of his parts. When he's playing Ronnie and Reggie Cray, fantastic. Um, the woman that was in Sucker Punch, I can never remember her name. Which one? The main woman in Sucker Punch. Oh, okay, baby doll. Who was also in um, Series of Unfortunate Events. We'll call her a baby doll. Her. Um, she's nice to look at. She's she's she just fine. She's okay. It's just it's a it's very long. You feel there could have been a punchier movie of this, and it would have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, are you just kind of desperate to see Tom Hardy play off Tom Hardy? He has fantastic chemistry with himself. Um, I, I think from what people are telling me, Tom Hardy is basically doing his best audition for James Bond, which I like. When he's when he's being, I can never remember which one which one's rich, but yeah, Reggie I think is the normal one. And he's like, they could have made a very serious movie about Reggie Cray and how kind of serious and he's charming. This is the best bit about his performance as Reggie. Ronnie's the kind of showbiz bit where it's quite funny and it's outrageous and he does all the funny stuff. But Reggie, he's very charming to begin with. You see why Baby Doll falls in love with him. And then flip the switch, he's a monster. He's awful later on in that movie. And I mean that in the good way. He's like a an asshole you want to see him brought down you're happy to see him get arrested at the end of the movie um, so kudos to him for that he really does nail every aspect of being a charming villain in this um, and he's great as Ronnie Cray as well he's very funny there's a lot of funny action scenes and stuff like that just yeah I think it was about 20 minutes too long and it gets bogged down a lot there's a lot of stuff going on in because the, they're trying to do a biopic they're trying to stuff a lot in and it just it kind of falls under its own weight at times but there are some very very good points this, especially Tom Hardy um, I saw nothing else in September I, I saw The Martian I loved it it was a great film it's probably the, the first Ridley Scott film I've enjoyed in a long ass time because that guy had a really good track record if we're looking at his history recent history though not so much. Yeah. The Martian is a fantastic return to form. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very good human drama across the gulf of space. It's mm. very, very cool. I think this had the the reason I didn't watch this had the dual problem of it reminded me a lot, probably unfairly, of uh, Interstellar, which, as we went on record at the end of last year, was god awful. Yeah, terrible. Um, and I'm also a bit allergic to one man movies. Fair enough. Historically, I haven't liked any of them. Like, I don't even like Castaway, and I'm a massive Tom Hanks fan. The good news about about The Martian, then, is that it's not a one-man movie, and it is nothing like Interstellar. Then I shall watch it. It's very, 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 very good. You have essentially three stories all going at the same time. You have Matt Damon, who's been abandoned on Mars, mm-hmm. uh, has to learn to live. Uh, instead of having... He has supplies for about... A couple of months. Yeah. He now needs to live on Mars for three years. Right. And it's all about him learning how to make a cult, like a human cultivate stuff. So most of the movie, weirdly enough, is him growing potatoes. And it's very, very good. You'd be surprised. It's very, very good. No, he... he... Oh, he went well over in Ireland. <laughs> this is ever movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see him, like, cultivating potatoes in, like, a, in part of the... Spaceship. It's not the spaceship. The landing like... party. The landing... Thing. The, the, the house. Space, space. We'll call it the space house. Right. <laughs> and he's 
Making potatoes in the space house, which is a sentence I've never thought I'd say out loud. Space base. <laughs> and then, obviously, because it's Mars and it's uncharted territory and it's things they're not used to, shit goes wrong. And when shit goes wrong, it's very emotionally powerful. Mm. Because you see... Potatoes dying. The potatoes dying. It's like, Matt Damon's character's resolve in this movie is very strong. It's mm-hmm. a case of everything gets ruined. He gets put into many positions where he's probably going to die. Yes. And he keeps going. Sweet. He actually constructs... This isn't doesn't um, spoil too much because it's very early on. Uh, they've, he's lost all contact with Earth. Earth are trying to gain contact with him. So like we, we've left him behind. We can see he's moving about on Mars with our satellites. We need to actually communicate with him. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon invents a hexadecimal communication system so they can communicate with Earth using a probe that was launched two years ago. I was like, fuck, like, this is a smart dude. And he, one of my favourite lines he said several times in the movie is, I'm going to science the shit out of this. Right. Matt Damon delivers a fantastic, um, like, it's very heartfelt, but at the same time, his character's like, fuck it, I mean, I'm stuck, I better do something about it. And he's a very real character. It's not a case of, like, like the, the lost hero, and he doesn't have the kind of going mental thing that Castaway had Mm -hmm. it's very much a case of this is a human trapped in space it's very very cool would you say it's better than 128 hours good lord yes the only one man movie I like good lord yes okay I shall watch it Um, well that's September roll up let's roll into October I saw Pan why I don't know it was an interesting concept the origin story of Peter Pan we all know that origin stories are neither here nor there in terms of like consistency, though. So for like, mm. for every, for example, Black Sails, which yeah. is about the the origins of Treasure Island, yeah. was good because mm-hmm. it did it well. I'm assuming you then have Pan on the flip side. Yes, you see the through line where you think there is a good Peter Pan origin story out there, and it can be child friendly. It hasn't got to be some gritty thing. You, you think had this had. Like, for example, Steven Spielberg is about to do the BFG. I saw the trailer for it in the IMAX, and it looked awesome. I was like, oh, my God, I would love to see Steven Spielberg do this movie. He would have nailed it. But it's just littered with really odd choices. Like, Hugh Jackman's the bad guy. Uh, he's he's Blackbeard. This is Pan, by the way, not the BFG anymore. No, it is Pan. And he's not good. He's very over the top, but not, not in a fun way, really. The kid is not a good actor. The guy who plays Pete Pan, he's not good. Um... They set up Peter Pan's mom to be like a cool person, like she's like from Neverland. She's like essentially like an eternal. Essentially, that's the weird thing about the child actor though, because this year's actor actually had a good number of child actors. He did. He wasn't one of them. Like the girl out of Ant Man. Yeah. Ty Simpkins. Yeah. Really good. Mm. Like they've improved. But he was just god awful. Um, yeah. So you see his mom, who's played by uh, Amanda Seyfried, right at the start and a bit at the end. She's really cool. She's like a fairy. God, essentially, and she's like jumping over fences, running into the orphanage. It's cool. I was like, I want to follow her. She's much more interesting than a stupid kid. Then you get to um, first of all, Tiger Lily is now white, right? She's played by uh, Rooney Mara, right? Okay, most of the the Indian tribe are now white people, right? And you're like you couldn't have like the Indian people don't get to play anybody. <laughs> Please just let them play Tiger Lily. That's the one that's theirs. Okay. <laughs> then you get to the bloke who's playing Captain Hook, and he has the worst acting performance of the year. Really? Hands down, across the board, worse than anything in Fantastic Four. Worse than the Four. scintillating chemistry of Fantastic Four? Worse. Jesus Christ. Because he, he's doing this weird cowboy thing, 
And I'm like, Captain Hook's a pirate. You are a pirate. Stop doing Western. Do you think it's a case of, you know how, like, uh, the dude uh, who played Gambit learnt the wrong accent? I think, I think he, he, he... But how do you... I don't know how the levels of confusion that have to happen in that man's head to think, yeah, I'll play so, as a... I'm Captain Hook. I'm Captain Hook. I'm Billy the Kid. Fuck! Billy. And it was so awful. Like, every... I don't think he has a good line. Everything is... He's the most wooden performance I've ever seen, possibly ever in a movie. Damn. I'd put that up against Natalie Portman in episode one. Anything Hayden Christensen's done, as bad as them. Hey, kid. Da, da, da. I can't. I'm like, he's an adult, and I'm like, you are a professional actor. He's in Once Upon a Time. I've never seen him in anything else, but I've never seen Once Upon a Time. I've never seen him in anything. He can't be this bad. He must have been directed something fierce to be this fucking shit. Jesus. The worst for And. And, like, you barely see Tinkerbell. But she's a homicidal maniac. Right. The bit at the end, right, they fly into... Basically, they're trying to get to where the fairies are to get the fairy dust to make magic stuff. And Blackbeard's got a flying pirate ship and he flies it in there, he's going to blow it up and Peter Pan comes to save the day and Peter Pan's in charge of the fairies. And you're like, this is a cool scene. And then all of a sudden, the fairies start murdering the pirates, (laughs) destroying the ship and sending it into oblivion. I was like... Wow, <laughs> you're fairies, <laughs> and you're com- committing mass genocide. <laughs> this is odd. This is odd. So yeah, it can be blasted straight out of Neverland. Yep, it was straight out of straight out of Neverland. It was, it was a trip. There were some cool bits, like some of the action scenes are okay, but just wow, wow, a spectacular. They also like, this is quickly. The two songs that stick in my head from this movie, one was in the trailer, one wasn't, right? So there are musical elements. It's not a musical, though. It's not like there's original songs or they're singing all the way through. They're just twice where the pirate crew starts singing. One is Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. What? And the other is the Blitzkrieg Brop. What? In, in, and it makes... Neither of them are in context. Neither of them make sense. Like, for what is happening in the story, they don't fit in the context of the story in any way. The thing about the Blitzkrieg Bop... Okay, it is set during World War Two, which is odd. But still, the Blitzkrieg Bob. And then starts singing Smells Like Teen Spirit for no, no reason. At all. There are no teenagers present. No one's getting entertained. Nothing. No one smells. No one smells. <laughs> it's just... Oh, God. Um, yeah. Poss- second only to Fantastic Four as the worst movie of the year. Came this close to being the worst movie of the year. Damn. Fantastic Four conquers all. Yeah. Don't watch Pan. Do not watch Pan. On a similar note, yeah. Spectre was disappointing. It cracks the top ten, but only at number ten. It was a very formulaic... You mean just for the opening sequence, you mean? Yes. The Day of the Dead bit at the start of Spectre is cool. That 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 bit was like, this is gonna rock, and then it's just a slow decline through the rest of the movie. Like, oh no, this film isn't going to be good, is it? As he does what any... No other Daniel Craig Bond movie has done, and play it safe. Yeah, why? For all the bad things about Quantum of Solace, it didn't play it safe. You know what I mean? And and Casino Royale and um, um, uh, God damn it, uh, Skyfall succeeded because they took chances and they all paid off. And they're taking chances and paying off doesn't happen all the time. That's why they're called chances. But this takes none at all. And it pays the price for it. Very strange. Mm. I don't know why it played it so safe and secure and, and really tried to cover up the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Yeah. 
Well, there's no need for all the smoke and mirrors about Blofeld. I think, would this movie have been any worse if we knew it was Blofeld from day one? No, not in the slightest, because then we could have, like, we would have seen the eventual build-up and he would have had Star Wars syndrome, like, they're not really showing much of Blofeld, hmm. But we know he's coming. We know he's coming, yeah. I, I just, yeah. Very, a, a very disappointing movie, a very disappointing end to that. I'm happy that Daniel Craig's leaving now, hopefully, because, as I said, I liked, I loved Skyfall and Casino Royale, but they I've never great. been able to marry James Bond the character and Daniel Craig together he's not what I think of when I think of James Bond that's because we grew up with Brosnan I know but that's I, I'm, I think Tom Hardy could pull off a Brosnan type Bond character with the action traits and the stuff they're doing in the more modern Bond in the Daniel Craig era I think there is a middle ground I just I don't Daniel Craig isn't James Bond in my head all the other previous ones are well not Roger Moore he's an idiot but yeah um, I think that's it for October yeah pretty much did you watch anything in November, Mike? I don't think we even even went to the the cinemas at all. I saw nothing. I did. Really? I saw two things in November. Really? You saw none of them. Uh, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. Because I've not seen the previous ones. I will defend... The first Hunger Games is... None of them are good movies, like ones I'd really give a recommendation to. The first one is pretty decent, though. I did enjoy a lot of the aspects of number one. And it does set the table for a lot of interesting sequels. Um, Catching Fire was a pretty decent sequel. Pretty good action, up the ante on, on most things. It does feel like a redo, but that's kind of the point. It is a redo of the Hunger Games in the storyline. Mockingjay Part 1 and 2 are very weird in that this is the only f- series of films that lessens the action with each passing movie. Weird. They get less action-packed. Part 1 was better. Part 1 had some some cool parts. Part 2 has almost no action. It's almost completely devoid of action. It's basically a political thriller. It's really weird. Like, the the, the line that captures it all. Because this is a movie that's weirdly about PR. Like, really focuses on the, the, the power of PR and making Katniss to be, like, this amazing fighter, though she is, but, like, to the point of godlike status. They're trying to build her to, so they have a resistance. She's the head figurehead of the resistance, basically. And this is best summed up in... Remember 300 Rise of an Empire? You've rocks. seen it now, right? <laughs> no, but I haven't. Okay, wait, wait. I've seen Rock, You've so seen that's what's important. All the way through 300, 300 Rise of an Empire, they keep mentioning the Spartan battle, which is happening oh, simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Like, over on that hill. They keep pointing out that the better movie is happening <laughs> over, over there. there. <laughs> this has the same problem in that they go in and the guy says to like Katniss and her little party, he said, we are several days behind the front line. I was like, why? <laughs> why aren't we on the front line enjoying the action? You basically just told us that the better movie left three days ago is somewhere over there. We are stuck now with like this tiny little team that basically just has to go through the rubble of the cool battle and avoid the booby traps that the battle didn't spring. And it's really, really bad. And it has a really awful end, like a non-ending of like, oh, you mean we spent four movies and this is our ending? This really weird kind of Katniss makes a really weird decision at the end, and she ends up. It just, it's just, uh, yeah. As much as it, I have to go back to my home planet now. <laughs> that kind of happens. What really? Not home planet. Oh, she man. goes back to her home settlement. Oh, but yeah, like it didn't have a lot of momentum, but it had some. And and one and catching fire, fine. You're like this could be. It always felt like they were building up to a really good... This movie should have been fantastic. It should have been them versus the Capitol, taking down 
uh, leader, what's his name? Snow, I think. Snow, yeah. Yeah, taking him down, you'd think there was going to be an epic movie. There was an epic movie to be had in this universe. And it did happen. It just happened three days ahead of where Katniss was. <laughs> so, yeah, very disappointing. Uh, the Good Dinosaur, the, the kind of black sheep, the unloved child of the Pixar movies that kind yeah. of... It didn't really get much no, PR at all. It was meant to be last year's Pixar movie. And that's why we had no Pixar movie last year. Um, it was meant to be this, but it had production problems. It got delayed. Um, but then Inside Out happened before it as well. Yes. Two Pixar movies in a year should be a blessing more than a curse. And none of them really smashed it as much as you'd kind of hope from Pixar. They're not doing as well as they used to. It seems outside of Toy Story. They can't really do anything. No, and that's why they're having to go back to the box. And Monsters University was fine, but it wasn't up to the original I still don't think the Toy Story 4 should be a thing but hey no I don't think that should be a thing but we've never but now look they've gone back to Finding Nemo and The Incredibles we're getting sequels to both of them don't get me wrong maximum hypage for Finding Dory and, and Incredibles 2 I'm and very Incredibles hyped for too, that but I, Finding Nemo is my second favourite Pixar movie um, next to the original Toy Story Toy Story 1 and then it's a straight fight between Toy Story 3 and Finding Nemo for my second favourite one anyway um the Good Dinosaur is essentially... It's kind of like the Lion King for Pixar. It's The, the stories that the asteroid missed that blew up the dinosaurs, they've now become civilised. They're not like living in cities and stuff, but they're farming, for example. You join a group of... They're not brachiosaurus, they're ap- apatosaurus. And, you know, the dad farms and he... This is kind of a spoiler, but he dies. And really this is an early on spoiler. Yes. That's fine, then. And because they're trying to chase down the kid that's in all the posters, who's eating all their corn and, you know, they try and chase after him. Yeah. He's eating all the corn. Wow. He's a critter. The, the dad wants the kid to kill it. They get caught up in a storm. Dad dies and it's the critter and the dinosaur. And essentially, it's them getting back home. It's a very straightforward story, but it's heartfelt and it, it's a gorgeous movie. Fantastically looking movie. Um, and there are some heartfelt bits in there where you kind of get into it. Like The bit where his dad dies is very tragic. There's like a last minute... The tidal wave's coming down the valley. He's made to push his kid up onto the ledge. And he knows he's about to die. And there's like a really sad, mournful look back at his kid before the wave just... And takes him out. Um, so it's, it's like the Park Kent thing. Of just... Yes. I got this and then kapow. Yeah. Um, yeah, really hot. When it's just him and the kid, there are some really heartfelt bits. It's like there's some weird ancillary characters that kind of derail things like these kind of cultish pterodactyls and cowboy T-Rexes. Um, and like redneck raptors. You know what it feels like? Go on. It kind of feels like the Pixar have completely divorced the emotional elements and the wacky elements. Because if you think about Up, it's it's a it's a movie about an old man honouring his his dead wife's last wish. Children. And then also there's a talking dog and a giant bird that follow them around. Yeah. Whereas Good Dinosaur's like, oh, it's these two going on a lovely journey and. And, and heartfelt stuff and then you got Inside Out which is what if emotions had emotions it's like well that's the thing it's like this movie has both of the wacky and the heartfelt but they don't really mesh very well there's sometimes where they're talking about you know um, Spot's family and Arlo's family and stuff like that and that's really good and then you'll get like the wacky stuff with the, the cowboy T-Rex it's like yeah, okay and then the pterodactyls are like you de facto bad guys and stuff I preferred it to Inside Out, but it's a very safe movie. It's the most safe Pixar movie I've ever seen. There is no risks taken in this movie whatsoever. And I think that's why maybe they were a bit reluctant to see it through to completion, because it is so safe. 
if this was just a straight up Disney movie, I wouldn't have gone and watched it. Fair Even enough. though it's dinosaurs. Um, right, should we wrap up the year? Because I've realised that we spent a, year, a whole hour talking about the year. We've not got to our list yet. No, we haven't. Okay, December. I watched the night before. Yes. It was okay. It was a. It's the one with Seth Rogen and, and JGL and Falcon. And it's okay. It's some funny moments. It's got um um. Oh God, what's his name? He's, he plays uh, General Zod. Oh, Michael Shannon. Yeah, he plays the drug dealer, and he's he's a hoot. Um, he's just crazy. Uh, it has some good points where he's tripping out in the weed, but all the best bits are in the trailer. So it was okay. Not a Christmas classic. Not going to join the ranks of Christmas movies I have to watch every year, but it was fine. Then there was the other movie in December. Oh yeah, that one. That, that one. The uh, the big one that everyone was waiting for. Chipmunks. The chipmunks. Yeah, chipmunks. Yes. Hell yeah. Of course, it wasn't. It was. It was Star Wars. It wasn't. On that note. Yes. I oh, he's been here for an hour, by the way. We've had a very special guest with us today. Say hello. Thanks, R2. Thanks, R2. He's, uh, he's helping us out with the production today. He is. Um, Star Wars, obviously, is Star Wars, and Star Wars is Star Wars, and Star Wars is good. Good point, R2. It very was very good. deep. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can go listen to us talk for uh, over an hour on Force Awakens. I saw it again yesterday at the IMAX. You saw it on Monday at the IMAX. It's a very good move to go and watch in IMAX. Good lord, it is. The, the and the 3D is not intrusive. It doesn't play to a lot of 3D tropes of going whoa in your face and stuff. No, it, it's it's very subtle and it just highlights. There is that the one scale. of the Star Destroyer that's in your face. That was cool. That thing that's cool, but it highlights the the scale yes. of the Star Destroyers, which is the entire point. The, the, the opening shot of the Star Destroyer going over the sun or the planet is yes. spectacular in 3D. The sound was amazing. Yeah. Um, Interesting point. I'm going to throw this out there. My brother points out on the way home. Go on. Just to add to the myriad of Star Wars theories. Because they gave Rey to Unkar Plutt. And you're thinking, why? Maybe whoever dropped her off knew he had an agreement with Unkar Plutt. You give her basic rations. You keep her alive, but you never give her enough to be able to get off of the planet. I was like, that's a good idea. That would explain, you know, why would you give it to a junk dealer or people? He can keep her safe. He can keep her fed, but more importantly, he can give her the means to only stay on Jakku and not leave for her own safety. Because I'm more convinced than ever that she's Luke Skywalker's daughter. That what you think? Two things have come up since the last time we spoke about it. I have a theory as well, but I think we'll discuss it in a minute. Okay. Let you do Number yours. one, when... This was pointed out to me by Angry Joe, of all people. When she pulls the lightsaber out of the snow to fight um, Kylo Ren, Luke's theme plays. When, he, when she... The other one is... She's the dead spit image of Shimmy Skywalker. She is a little bit. Like, I, like someone said they are almost identical. Shimmy Skywalker looks like an older Rey, and I put the two pictures together, and it's like, oh, wow, they are identical. See, I have a different theory. Go on. She's the grandchild of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Explain. If you look at the costumes, they're very similar. She has very similar raiments, even when she goes off at the end of the movie, mm. a very similar outfit to that of Obi-Wan Kenobi. For a starter, she's British mm. in a movie populated by American people. When she has her crazy vision quest in Maz Kanata's castle, mm. you can hear, and this has been confirmed, I know. both Alec Guinness and Hugh McGregor say, Ray, these are your first steps. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind that nothing else in that, in that vision quest, apart from Kylo, mm. pointed towards the Skywalker family. On top of that, she doesn't know who Luke Skywalker is. Yeah. She thinks he's a legend. He doesn't exist. Hmm. Which leads me to believe that because 
she doesn't know who Obi-Wan Kenobi is, who was the last Jedi to have had a direct interaction with Luke Skywalker. The child of Obi-Wan Kenobi also has never met Luke Skywalker. Also believes that Skywalker is a myth. Okay. I think that if Luke and Rey were related, if Rey was Luke's child, there would have been a cause for a more emotive reaction at the end of the movie. Okay. Let me let me put these two things to you. Um, one from a production point. Well, okay, they're both ancillary things that happen. It's not other things. Number one, the trailer, the second teaser trailer, we've gone back and watched very prominently has the line of Luke saying, "The force is strong in my family. My father has it. I, I have, have it. it. My, my sister, sister has it. it. You have you that. have it too." That seems to suggest a through line. True, because that was also something that he said to Leia to say, "Look, you're my sister." Exactly. So, and the other one is. I think the payoff for her being Obi-Wan's granddaughter is weak because it's been established that Force Ghost Obi-Wan is Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness is very dead. So Alec Guinness and their cold four can't appear as a Force Ghost to say, yo, I am your father. I think if, if okay, let's say that when they did the special editions, they put you in there, you could get you and McGregor to come back and be Force Ghost. And I think then it has the impact I think it lacks that without Alec Guinness there. Yeah. Which is why I think having Luke there physically or having him killed off in the second one and he comes back as a Force Ghost, I also realise Yoda could come back as a Force Ghost and that'd be the best thing. Like Luke's yeah, like, I'm not going to train you. He is! And then Yoda's back. <laughs> also, this is going to be real quick, I promise. When, this is another theory that I read about later on. When, when Kylo Ren's talking to the helmet and he says, show me again, that could just mean he wants Darth Vader to show him what happened originally again could imply that he has met the Force Ghost of Anakin, or, how's this for a bucket of fantasticness, General Snoke using the Force to project what looks like Anakin and looks like Darth Vader in Force Ghost form, but he's in fact General Snoke and he's seducing him to the dark side of his granddaddy. Yeah, I think, well, the, the, the Plagueis the theory. The what play- do you think, <laughs> Great idea, Darren, thanks. But the Plagueis theory still works. Every day of the yes, week. Yes, the Plagueis theory works every single day of the week. And if he's that powerful of the Force, he can just make a Force Ghost. That also means Hayden Christensen was considered for a return as a Force Ghost Anakin. As much as we never want Hayden Christensen to do anything ever again, I would like to see him turn up as a Force Ghost at some point. Well, we've already got... James Earl Jones is still alive and we can have him return. But although that's the thing, he, he turned into old Anakin at the end of the movie, so... No, special editions, he comes back as Hayden Christensen. No, no, what I'm saying is... Oh, God, we really can't spend much more time on this. What I'm saying is Snoke could have projected Darth Vader, which means you could just have the suit and um, James Earl Jones return to the voice because he's already done it for Rebels. We can do that. That would be perfect. Don't get fucking Christensen back. We don't need him. But that's the thing, you could have both. You could have Hayden Christensen as the good side and and James Earl Jones come back as Darth Vader in body and be the dark side. The Force is a magical, mystical thing. Um, Okay. That was every year. Yep. Have you seen anything else in December or are we good? That is it. Okay, top five, Michael. We're going to shotgun these. Right. Uh, number five on my list, Mad Max Fury Road. Right, okay. Why is it number five? Um, it was crazy. Great action. Fantastic action. By the way, the video game, also excellent. I've only just started playing it. It would have made my... It probably in the best game of the year. I would have put it on my list above Arkham Knight. Um, yeah, crazy. Great use of... Not using CGI and making everything practical. That was fantastic. Storyline, non-existent. Mad Max himself, kind of a dick. Not very interesting. And I, I'm not as hyped as you were, but I can't deny this wasn't a fantastic action movie. Fair enough. 
Michael. My number five is John Wick. Mm. After much deliberation, there was a big fight for the top, for the fifth place. Mm-hmm. It was between Avengers, John Wick, and Big Hero Six. That was that was my Big Hero Six. Doesn't make your top five. Didn't make my top five. Yes, because there are more. There are movies that I've enjoyed more. Okay. Like, don't get me wrong. I think Big Hero Six <coughs> is ironically at number six. <laughs> I, I actually think Big Hero Six is better than Ultron, but that's a discussion for another day. Shut up. We're going with it. Okay. Um, so John Wick has scraped its way onto the list. It also beat out The Martian, by the way, which was in consideration for the fifth point. Mm-hmm. Um, purely because John Wick had, in my eyes, zero expectations. It was like, oh, a Keanu movie. And then it's just note for note brilliant. And I mm-hmm. love it. Okay. And nothing else to be said. It's at number five. Uh, number four, Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay. It was a... It, it, it's, it's still the Avengers... There's still all the aspects of the first movie that you enjoy. They're less special here. I think that's its main problem. It lacks, this. and that's not a fault of the movie. It was always going to lack that special feel of the first one. But I also do feel it's it's a bit less focused. And I just really hated Ultron. I really didn't like anything about that performance. No, it was just not fun. Tone deaf for what it needed to be. I think because we've yet to... and he didn't have shouty face. He didn't have shouty. I face. wanted shouty. I face. wanted. What we haven't had in the Marvel movies yet is cold, hard, logic, machine, like Terminator, yeah. like Skynet. Ultron is that. That is how you do that. And I think that would have been a great way to just differentiate. But instead, they just made Tony Stark 2.0. And I realise why they did that because of the him creating That's the Ultron, thing. But... Ultron is the entire reason why Age of Ultron doesn't make my top five mm-hmm. list. It's the entire I, reason. I concur with that completely. But having said that, the battle scenes are still great. The interactions are still great. Yeah, so it it's is. still a good movie. My number four is Ant-Man. Mm. I put Ant-Man above Age of Ultron at number four because, as I said earlier, it's the most cohesive movie. It's tightly knit. Paul Rudd is fantastic and I can't wait to see him interact with the Avengers. Yep. The supporting cast is great. Michael Pena is really, really funny. Really, 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 really funny. He's really good. I enjoyed Michael Douglas and I'm very much looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp now, which is actually coming just before Avengers Infinity War. Sweet. Awesome. I can't wait for that. I really can't wait to see more Ant-Man. It's smaller world is larger in <laughs> scope. Smaller. Ah! I did it. Oh, you did it. Um, number three, I Kingsman, the Secret Service. Exactly the same for me. Kingsman's our number three. S- uh, the surprise hit of the year. Hilarious, probably the funniest movie I've seen all year. Other than Fantastic Four. This is the funniest movie I've seen all year. The action was great. I didn't think I'd like the, the Taron Egerton as the as the chavvy dude. And he does get on my wick occasionally. But At the start, yes. Yes, but... By the end, he's very lovable. Yes, yes, yes. And and Colin, Colin Firth in this is... is Unreal. Yeah, it's going to be interesting probably. to see what the sequel does without certain elements, He's without spoiling too much. My favourite character of the year. He's great. Harry I, Hart's I, fantastic. I can't think of anybody I enjoyed more than Colin Firth in this. It's like, why do you have to get to action movies this late in his career? Mark Hamill's in two top movies this year. Yeah! Oh, yeah, Mark Hamill's in this. Mark Hamill was in it. Mark Hamill. He was also the trickster in Flash, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, God, that was painful. I was like, oh, God, you're going to have to be Luke Skywalker next week. Oh, God. Um, okay. Number two. Number two. Jurassic World. Obviously, it was I be. didn't think... I genuinely thought when I got out of Jurassic Park, there is nothing. Star Wars cannot beat Jurassic World. Because I was still on the fence. I hadn't seen any of the trailers. I knew nothing. But I was like, I've never been happier coming out of a movie. I've watched it again. 
I will still maintain this is a 5 out of 5 movie. It made my top 30 movies of all time. It's likely to stay there forever. Because I do genuinely adore this movie. There are flaws. Flaws I did point out in the original review. These aren't something I've seen in retrospect. The 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 characters, especially um, the villain, not great. The kid, the, the older kid is god-awful. But I still adore this movie. It was still the lovely... It was a movie made for me... If anybody else doesn't like it as much as I do, I presume it's not in your top two. No. So I understand that and I can agree with that. I agree with all the criticisms that I don't necessarily share, but I love this movie. I adore everything about this movie. There Except t- for the other kid, he's awful. Yes. There were two movies that were battling for my top spot this year and it was the closest it's ever been. Mm. I mean, ever. Mm. But in the end, I had to think about... And I had to watch both movies several times mm-hmm. before I could make the decision yep. of, of where these two sit. And what it came down to is which movie got me more lost in its world and actually made me stop looking at things critically. Yeah. Which is why Mad Max is at number two. Oh, I didn't think it would be. I thought that'd be number one. Mad Max is at number two. Literally by a hair. Literally. Mad Max, I still think, is the perfect action movie. I think it's the best revitalisation of a franchise there's ever been. I mean, ever. I'd argue Jurassic World, but I I get it. Well, that's the thing. Mad Max was a franchise that existed in the 70s and 80s. Mad Max was a lot more dead than than Jurassic World was. Yeah. The the world would have been happy with never seeing a Mad Max movie again, whereas the cry for another good Jurassic World movie Mm -hmm. is out there. Yep. And yet Mad Max bought the noise like no movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Apart from number one. Our joint number one. Of course. As as, as was expected. Yeah. Tell them how to. Don't be Leia. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> You're my only help. Try again, try again, R2. <laughs> there we go. Even Star Wars The Force Awakens. Of I have, course it was. I have never been more lost in a movie than Star Wars The Force Awakens this year. I have just... I, my... Critical brain got turned off. I got lost yep. in the magic that is Star Wars and that is cinema. It was always going to be. I knew in my heart of hearts that Star Wars was going to be number one. But mm. it had tough competition and it still beat it. I will say one thing. Go ahead. This was a nostalgia hit like an espresso. Oh, and yeah. I appreciate the hell out of that. The first time you see Falcon, I've seen it twice now. i still got the same reaction the first time you see the Falcon. Same thing the first time you see Han, Chewie, Leia, the works, right? I will say this, I will not extend the Olive Brands to episode 8 if it is just so heavily based on nostalgia like this was. Yeah. I'm perfectly okay with it here, and that's why it's at number one, because I loved it so much. But this isn't some this isn't a long term plan. This won't work. If eight is a remake of Empire Strikes Back in the same way this was a remake of New Hope, we're gonna have problems. That said, in the end it wasn't close between this being better than Jurassic World. This is an almost flawless movie. I've watched it again. I've I've taken my edge off how much I of my performance analysis of Ray and Kylo Ren. I preferred them both uh, quite a bit more the second time round. Um, I liked all the new characters they introduced. I liked the way they brought everybody back. I liked the emotional hits. I love the theories that are just springing yeah. every day. We get a whole new. Oh, this is definitely the theory that's true, and then the next day, be oh my god, this is definitely the theory. Yeah, just for everything. It's also all the things that surround this movie just being so good as well. The 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 dearth of good stuff that's going to come from this movie for months to come, except for Battlefront. Screw Battlefront. Um, yeah, number one movie of the year. Star Wars is back, and more importantly, this sequence of numbers now means a hell of a lot to people. 
54763312. You're putting clones at the bottom? Clones is... That's the fucking hardest right, watch no, no, I've no, had no, this no, year. No, 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 no. Anyway. Phantom Menace is multitudes worse than clones. Well, this will be a and discussion this is be- And Jedi's better than this. Well, it looks like we've got enough, uh, enough stuff in us for another Star Wars week, eh? <laughs> See you in two years. Yay! Yay! Well, there's, there's Rogue One next year, but you can hear all about next year's movies on our next podcast, which will be a gigantic 2016 preview. We're going to talk about films, TV shows, video games, the works. Yeah, big 2016 preview will come uh, just at the start of 2016, a couple of days into January, so do keep your ears peeled for that. Thank you for sticking with us for an hour and 15. You don't peel your ears, Michael. Well, it's an you audio. You peel your eyes. It's an audio thing. Oh, yes. There's no visuals. Keep your ears tuned. <laughs> keep your ears tuned. You don't tune your ears, Michael. <laughs> you can tune your ears, but you can't tune a fish. Uh, ah. With that bad pun, it's time to end. Remember to follow us. On Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, literally everything with foul ENT. Darren? You can find me on the Twitter, at the Guttridge. Guttridge log, up in the air at the moment. We'll fill you in when necessary. But yeah, uh, you can go on there now. I've just posted the 2016 preview, my top 10 films of the year, my top 10 everything else of the year. Go check that out, www.theguttridgelog.co.uk. Foulentertainment.com will have end of year stuff coming very, very, very soon. And of course, a big 2016 preview. But from me, from Darren... And from R2, it's goodbye for 2015. Thank you very much for listening. See you in the next one.